How does it feel to watch Charlie's there on? Kick the Russians and the British is asses all day long. Do you know what? Feels good. Good. Hello, welcome to She's an Actress. Whoa! We're discussing the movies of Charlize Theron, and today we are talking about the 2017 film Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde! I, I loved this movie. I loved this movie. I had so much fun watching it. Alice, what about you? I, I liked this movie a lot. I realized pretty early that this kind of like spy thriller... I think I would have enjoyed more if it wasn't also a John Wick where they're having hand-to-hand fights constantly. Um, like, I want the, like, Mission Impossible 1 version of this, where there's a little violence, but it's mostly just double crosses and shit. This movie's brutal. There yeah. were times I was physically cringing at what was happening. It's really raw and rough in ways I wasn't expecting for a movie mm-hmm. that's so stylized yes. in aesthetic and like the crispness and the needle drops and everything. Like it really was a wild like juxtaposition of different things that turned into something that's complete missy bait. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see, I could see that. Um, You have to be careful when you, when you missy bait it, it, you know, Oh yeah. Um, It can get all over the place. Cold war mm -hmm. eighties synth pop. Yes. Charlize and amazing outfits. Do you want to start there? Okay, you want not to start as the amazing as we've seen in some things. Okay, well, so here's the thing. I I I appreciated what they were going for. It's like it's, it it very much is a like late eighties, a late eighties into early nineties goth like outfit style. But they just made some some of the choices they made felt a little much. Um, specifically like the outfit she wears about halfway through the movie where she go. I forget what she's doing, but she has um. She's wearing like um, a skirt, or she's wearing like a, a top and a skirt, but then she has her, like garters visible, and then and then boots over the over the stockings, and it's just like th- this is this only became acceptable like two years ago in public. <laughs> there are some outfits which I would call conspicuous. Yes, when you are a spy. It's probably not what you want to be. Right, and like, look. Yes, I think it's ridiculous that that basically every outfit she has are in like either really tall heeled boots or stilettos. I understand that she's you know playing a part some of the time, but apparently everyone knows she's a spy. Why bother trying to blend in? Yeah, all of Berlin knows what's up. Do they just don't know what's going down? Yeah. Um, I I mean, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Berlin. Um, I loved the Berlin era opening with 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 Bowie. Um I thought I thought that was really that was really smart. And then I, I personally was a little let down by all the all the all the different songs that were used, but I thought that was a good opening at least. Um I really want to go to Berlin. God damn. I know it's not actually like that, but Oh no, this made me want to go to Berlin too. Do you want to go to Berlin? The, I would love to. This is like What are you doing third... this weekend? Um not much. Yeah. I guess we're going to Berlin. Yeah. We've got to find all the neon 
Got to get with our, got to meet our handlers. Does every apartment in Berlin come with like pink and blue neon, neon, neon (laughs) lights? Uh, At one point, um, Alex came in and out uh, on his way to and back to get dinner. And he came back and he was like, is this movie just done in like cold Russian blue tint the whole time? I'm like, no, no, no. You didn't see the neon scenes. Everything else is a little bit, but yeah, yeah, not, there's a lot of red too within this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I do have to point out, there is a song that opens the movie before the Bowie drop, which oh, is yeah. the one I alluded to, Blue Monday by New Order. And when that happened, and I learned that Blue Monday was playing, and we had the stylized intro opening with the graffiti and stuff, I was in, and I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to like this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it also starts very early with Charlize Theron taking a bath in a in a, in a bathtub full of ice, and and we now have a motif, which is Charlize Theron bathing in a weird liquid. Yes, the, I, oh my god, I was gonna bring it up too. It was like here we go, we gotta submerse Charlize at mm-hmm. some point in here. She must have it in her writer. Like mm-hmm. I just need to like emerge from a bath at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, also just. Not full frontal, but but pretty pretty much, you know, very very visible nudity. I, I was really surprised, especially because I think like we had talked about in Snow White and the Huntsman, like is that a, is that a body double? I know mm-hmm. in in Young Adult as well, she's kind of she's standing mostly naked, but um, yeah, I was I look, I'm not gonna I'm not I don't think it should be super brave to be to be nude in a movie, but but you know standards are what they are, and I thought that was sure. really cool. Yes, especially um, uh, a woman of her age and not saying in a way more of that's how hollywood treats women sure. that are that but age and also like, she looks oh. so young in this movie in the in the beginning part before before they like before they like destroy her face which i thought was a which i thought was a really fun way to sort of track where you were in the in the timeline was how, how <laughs> yep. fucked up her face was but before um before at the beginning when she first gets to berlin she looked she looked like she was like 25 i don't know i don't know if it was just the makeup or what but yeah yeah she uh, she looks amazing in this film. Uh, I, gosh, I'm really just enjoying this action streak we have going through the series with her. Like, I enjoy her leading action films. There's just something about her presence on screen screen where I don't know if she's doing good things or bad things, but I just want to root for her the entire time. And obviously, as the protagonist of this film, that's how it's set up to be. You yeah. Know, but we see brutal shit going down and I'm like, yeah, get it girl. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, yeah. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the plot of the movie. I had a little trouble. This is my um like white person face blindness thing. I did have a little trouble following who was, who was double crossing who after a certain point. Okay. Um, Especially because I think the, the framing device of them being talked to by like MI6 and then John Goodman's also there. That that kind of, at a certain point in the movie, I think partially because I had a half hour break when my power went out. Um, It was during the flirting scene. It was during the lesbian flirting scene when my power went oh, out. So. Oh my God. I was I was like, I need to text her about this. But like, I don't know if she's got there yet. And he said her halfway through. I almost said, were you at the lesbian part yet? But I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. She's not there. Oh, I, I mean, I, I knew there was, I knew there was a lesbian sex scene, but um, but yeah, like the, 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 this idea that there's like, there's, there's codename Satchel. There's, there's, um, all these different people. He has the list. He doesn't have the list. He memorized the list. Um, I had a little trouble following it as well. So I also wasn't paying the most attention to be fair, but. No, I felt like I actually had a pretty good handle on it for the most part. I never really was questioning who the people were, but that might be 
my non-face blindness going on. I don't really know the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I was I was recognizing people left and right in this, especially this is a three-person reunion from Snow White and the Huntsman because we had Charlize Theron, we had Toby Jones, and we had Eddie Marsden. Toby Jones played uh, not C, but the other CIA guy. Um, and then Eddie Marsden was the um, spyglass, the uh, asset that they are trying to protect mm-hmm. and or kill, depending upon which side you are on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the plot? I loved it. I mean, yeah. I, I loved the Cold War setting. Mm-hmm. I thought it. This was one of those things where I was going through and I'm like, oh, this is exactly the kind of script that I would write. Mm -hmm. Being that it's like themed in a historical event and pulling music and um, kind of locations and stuff Mm -hmm. where a lot of it was dropping just contemporary facts at the time. Like there was that a cheeky line about David Hasselhoff being yeah. in town, which, you know, happened during the time of the world when wall was falling. And so that being the series of events in the backdrop and the little, mm-hmm. the little bit that it plays into the plot too, I thought was very cool because it, while it wasn't really about the Berlin wall falling, it is a story about this order of who is trying to game who completely yeah. falling apart. And I mean, I think I think it, it it in the in the sense that Berlin is kind of the center point for the Cold War. Yeah. It it is it is about it is about Berlin itself. Like like yes. that like Berlin plays a role is a character. The, the 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 characters are talking about Berlin as if they're a person essentially. Yep. Um. And so and so you know while it while it might not necessarily be about the wall, the wall comes down halfway through the movie and is used more as a plot device. It it is talking about that sort of that whole era and like a mm-hmm. lot of the um like a lot it felt like a lot of the 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 reason why people were going so hard on this movie is that they, they had guilt for they talked about like sins they committed during the Cold War that yeah. were gonna get exposed now. Yeah. And the fact that um, Spyglass is defecting to the West. And so in the East Berlin, he's treated as like a capitalist. Like, oh, let, they mentioned he's going to sell the list. So they assume, oh, monetary gain must be what he's wanting to do. That's why you would join the West. You know, meanwhile, people are like, oh, you know, a communist, you know, trying to play us or whatever. And that being in the part of it where we just see him and he's just a guy trying to get his family out of a dangerous situation. And happens to have the one thing that he has, the list of uh, spies and a, a spy activity in his head. And that's why he's so dangerous. But he himself is the least dangerous person physically, you know, within this film. So remind me, I, I this is, again, where I was kind of losing track a little bit. Did he actually have the list memorized? They, they called that into question after after the portion where he got killed. Uh, no, I believe he did because he had information on... Um, he had information on Percival, and right. I think he had a little bit of information on um, Charlie's character. I can't even think of what her sure. name is. Um, Atomic Lorraine. Lorraine. <laughs> Lorraine. Yes. Um. I, yeah. I just. I just. I, I. I felt like they were trying to throw that into question because they were like, there isn't an agent. You know, there isn't an agent with a photographic memory. They say at one point. I think they say that because they're talking about how. Um, like the 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 UK slash CIA 
didn't have that asset and it's like oh you know you don't happen to have another person with mm -hmm. photographic memory lying around kind of deal got it got that's it. how okay. i interpret it at least now again maybe it is one of those things where he never had it memorized mm -hmm. and that was just a ploy but as far yeah. as i could tell that was true right that i think that was that was kind of my headcanon when it, when it got to post him getting killed especially once it was revealed that he's trying to get his family across as well. It was yeah. like, Oh, this is a good reason for him to pretend to have the list memorized. Like he be when he, if he has the list memorized, he's not no longer just a carrier for the list. He is now an asset himself. And they talk about him mm -hmm. as an asset. Um, yes, and that, exactly. He's yeah. the package um, to be delivered. Yeah. So like I said, I, 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 I did like this movie. I, I think I would have liked the version without as much hand-to-hand -hand fighting. I do kind of find that a little tedious, personally, just because it's been very, like, I know, I know I'm like a huge Matrix fan, but like, I feel like it's been overused in a way. And I think I, I think I prefer the more tense spy thriller that is, is like, has gunfire and stuff and maybe has fights, but not at this level. That said, the like five, 10 minute sequence, but where they're trying to get, um, they're they're trying to get Spyglass out of out you know across the wall, oh and God, then yeah. he gets shot. So they duck into a building, and then it's 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 designed to look like one very long continuous shot. I'm pretty sure there's some edits in there, but just like literally, I, I was watching it. And I was like, has this cut since like because because it keeps going. Yeah, it, it, it and I loved that sequence, and that is the sequence I was describing earlier that mm -hmm. made me hurt. It, just watching this and, and, and probably the re because it was unbroken and not really thinking about it, I obviously edited to look unbroken. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's probably why is that it, you just, it's like beating after beating and mm -hmm. like punch after stab after mm -hmm. shot after like yeah. people's brain matter is getting splatted onto canvases. Mm -hmm. Like it's just fucking wild. Yeah. But however, I, I know you're making the John Wick comparison. I've not seen any of the John Wick films. So for me, this is, um, I probably haven't watched a film that had hand-to-hand -hand combat like this since we watched The Matrix. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't have too much of it, but I can definitely see, especially with how intense it is, it mm -hmm. being like, thanks, but no thanks. A little yeah. bit less. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's why I, because the, because there were so many of them, I think that was really why I um, had such a um, harder time grasping onto it and why I was tuning out a little bit during the movie. Yeah, um, and, and they are long sequences too. Like yes. it is, mm -hmm. every fight is a pretty like, mm -hmm. what position fight to the, the point where I was wondering, like, did a stunt coordinator direct this? Like, was it something where it was like the, uh, a person who really enjoyed stunts was was doing this? So, so this movie was directed by the person who co-directed the original John Wick. Um, okay. Yeah. And that that is, they are a stunt performer. Um I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yes, confirming it's uh David uh Leach. Uh yes. or L I L E I T C A. So it might be Lich. Uh, I yeah. think Leach. Um Oh, and he directed Bullet Train. There it is. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Um I was I like this a lot more than Bullet Train, I'll say that. <laughs> well, and I um I wondered early on because the person playing the spy at the very beginning, Gascon, who gets killed, he looked vaguely familiar. And I was like, who is this? Well, I looked it up and it's um, Eddie Hargrave, who is a stunt person and is the stunt person for a lot of Marvel stuff. He fucking looks like Chris Evans. So I think oh. he has to be the stunt coordinator or like the person who is um, Captain mm -hmm. America's thing. Like the he double. He also yeah. looked not too much unlike 
Chris Hemsworth in the photo that yeah. they had. So I, I mean, can maybe see him doing other too, but he works on a lot of stunt stuff. That's his big thing. So I mean, it was like almost a cameo, I think, to give him an onstage, you know, uh-huh. uh, line, a couple of reading roles for it. Those, those two, those two, those two Chris's are basically just a different haircut, honestly, that to me. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters. So we've got, we've got Lorraine who is just kind of, it's, it's like a running joke in the movie almost that as soon as she meets someone, they're like, Hey, I know exactly who you are. I know yep. exactly who you work for, which, which then builds to the punchline of the last five minutes of the movie. Um, we have, we have, we have, we, and then she's working with Percival. Yes. Who is Ugh. another, who's another, James I believe, MI6 McAvoy. agent. Yes. Oh, James McAvoy. One of my early, early crushes. He's so... How many mesh tops were they going to put in this film to bait me with? Like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was great. He... I think he played a real... Like, you know, a person who seems very devil may care, but you can tell is thinking ahead and is, like, really trying to to play the game, as he calls it. You know, he's the one that first brings the, the topic mm-hmm. of the game in there. Um, and I, I enjoyed him. What'd you think of it? Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting that there, like the movie is based around there being a lot of double crosses, but I actually thought I was surprised specifically the way his character interacted with, with, um, Lorraine and the, um, the French agent whose name I cannot remember the, the French, the French woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like I kind of, I was expecting the French woman to be, a double agent and then she basically wasn't yeah LaSalle yes I wondered but I felt like with the whole unless it was all a cover but the fact that she's very new to the uh-huh. intelligence game and is sort of struggling with it uh-huh. it played off so sincere that's like if she is a double agent she's fooling me you know within yeah. the context of this yeah. film too yeah I don't think it ever gets revealed that she is I think she really is the sort of naive oh no yeah she first, is, first, first first mission sort of thing um, but then the fact that like towards the end of the movie he just goes to her apartment and groats her like around the neck was like fucking brutal. Yeah, I was. That's the only death that really made me sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's partly because she she is, um, you know, played off as not out of her depth. Right, out of her depth, but also, but also sort of, sort of like representing an innocence for Lorraine because yes, she she's she's able to recognize Lorraine's tell when she's telling the truth, but also also is is caught up in this and is trying to get framed by Percival essentially. Yeah. Um. Also, in that scene where she where she dies, she's wearing she's wearing like a leopard print bodysuit, and then she's wearing a pair of panties over the bodysuit, and I was like, what the fuck is this? No one would do that. <laughs> Apparently, you know, uh. LaSalle would, she's French, you know. Yeah, they have that's how own. the French women do it. That ha- yes, exactly. You got to wear your panties on the outside of your bodysuit. When when it gets to the end of the film and it zooms out to like a like a dark a dark short haircut, I kind of thought that it was going to be her like actually alive. Oh, see, I wondered if she was going to be revealed to be alive, but then uh-huh. when we saw her like on the ground and her eyes were open for too long, I was like, no, no, she's dead. Yeah. Yeah, they they really just kind of leave her in the background of that one yep. scene. Yep, it was just like just in case you were wondering what's happening with her, she's still dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, introduced very early. I like how it's introduced that she's like, "Why are you? Fo- why are you like? Who is this woman following me?" And the guy's like, "I think she has a crush on you." And then it turns out to actually be true. 
Yes, both that it is true and also that she is following her for intelligence reasons. But it's yes. it's sort of the double layering of it mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I suspected that Lorraine was playing her because mm-hmm. that just, you know, Charlie or uh, Lorraine essentially says, at, like, at some point, like, oh, yeah, uh, they were probably using a relationship with you just to gather intel. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what she's also doing with LaSalle herself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I will also just say, um, I, I loved the scene of them flirting in the bar before they start kissing. The The scene in the hallway was incredible. And then yes. the first part of the sex scene, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? They were laying on the bed in their clothes with LaSalle laying on top of, of, of Lorraine. And I was just like, what is this? And Lorraine just having her hand like inside her thigh. And they're yeah. both like, they're not thrusting together. It's just no, they're like they're arching their backs. Yeah. They're yeah. sort of just like oh. in a, in a wave form, yeah. just going like, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then the rest of the sex scene was pretty non-offensive. It, it, it didn't go full blue is the warmest color, but that was like a little like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what? Okay. I need to break down. What, what is going full blue is the warmest color mean? Blue is the warmest color was uh, was a lesbian movie with uh, uh, um, directed by a male French director and it is notorious for its infamously gratuitous male gazy sex scenes like lesbian ah. sex scenes including including very 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 um very um egregious scissoring scenes which scissoring is a real thing women do scissor but not to the level that they, that it's like the number one thing you would expect two women to do when they have sex. Ergo, egregious scissoring. <laughs> yes, 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 and and so and so like that's that's kind of the bar that I that I that I think I and a lot of queer women will hold movies to. Like, um, you don't want the sex scenes to sort of be passionless. I think some people think that the sex scenes in Carol, a movie that I've seen thirty eight times, um, is. Can all is a little like could be more passionful. Like they have, there's two sex scenes in that movie. One is one is fairly well done, and then the other one is really is very passionless. Um, I would put this on someone more actually on the on the passionless side, just because it it tended not to, but it but it also then didn't. It wasn't like outside of that first shot where they're laying on top of one another, which I don't really understand. Um, it wasn't too male gazy, so that's that's kind of a that that's that's in some ways better than better than the alternative. Yeah, the first shot wasn't as much the male gaze as it was just confusing. <laughs> yeah. well, well, it's like it felt like okay, this is what I bet if you if you asked a man who had never thought about it, how do two women have sex? He might draw that. <laughs> I I don't know, puss to butt, I guess, on top of each other. Yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of the of the three? old geezers uh interrogating uh charlie mm. so that would be uh really uh, see the the head of mi6 uh, placed by james faulkner who's just behind the glass toby jones as lorraine's direct superior and then john goodman playing a cia official who mm-hmm. is working yeah. with mi6 um i like I, I i liked those scenes i'm a little i'm a little tired of this kind of pulp fiction fight club-esque i'm gonna tell you the story like specifically for like action and thriller movies, I think it's a little. I'm a little. Um, I'm a little. I'm a little. I'm a little tired of it. I think it's just been overdone at this point. 
Um, I did, you know, I love John Goodman, and I I thought that part. I thought I thought the um the push pull between them, like having different masters and stuff, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then I was really surprised to see, like, especially the scene where she meets with John Goodman on the what is it? It's on a rooftop, or it's like on a, it's it, it's somewhere with a very scenic view, and like she's talking to John Goodman, and I was like, oh, he's actually in the movie. He didn't just show up for this one scene. Yeah, it's at a point where it's within the time frame of events within the story. She met him at a certain point. Uh, I can't remember where he pops in either. Um, but she I was know- she was sent. He was sent as a. T- as a message from her handler. Yes, yes. Um, and it was it yeah, was right I, after it was right after the two after she sleeps with LaSalle because it was like the it was like stop fucking around. Yeah, essentially that. Yeah, basically that everyone kind of knows that you're here, and she's just like, yeah, I've been compromised since the moment I got on here. It, as we point out, it seems like literally every single person, like that's within intelligence, knows who mm-hmm. I am and why yeah. I'm here. Yeah, and again, it feels very much like the Aaron Sorkin. We can't do the thing. We can't do the thing. We have to do the thing. Sort of, yep. sort of <laughs> construct. Um, I thought it was interesting from the get go that I never thought that Percival was on anyone's side. Like he just mm-hmm. seems like the exact kind of person that would just work for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that there tension in that the way they're setting up the story and the uh mi6 people including john goodman are really interested in her interactions with him from early on was signaling stuff about satchel now mm-hmm. one of the big plot points within this film is codename satchel there is a double operative agent who is working within intelligence that they just know by Satchel and they've done a lot of stuff with the Soviets and stuff mm-hmm. with uh, the West. And so they're trying to get information. And part of why they need this list is that Satchel is on the list. And there's a moment where uh, we, we uh, John Goodman gives, uh, oh, John Goodman gives um, Lorraine a phone book that has a number on it. She calls it and it says Satchel has been compromised. And so there on out, the last half of the film is sort of about trying to, uh, to get that down. So I was wondering, okay, well, is Percival Satchel, and it's very obvious, or is Percival Lorraine? And we're going to learn through reveals that she's the one that's been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um what did you think about the Satchel plot line and how much did it tug at your intrigue of who is Satchel or did you not think much about it at all? This is, this is like, again, this is a little bit where I kind of lost, I kind of got lost in the plot. Like um, the spyglass stuff made more sense just because it was a physical guy. The idea that there was Satchel who could be any of these people up until the point where she's basically where, where after Percival dies and she's framing him as Satchel. Uh, yes. I hadn't, I, I wasn't really sure what was going on entirely there. Yeah. I, I think about halfway through, I f- halfway through, I flipped pretty much assuming that Lorraine would be Satchel mostly because of just, my brain was like, yeah, screenwriting wise, it makes sense for our main character. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the reveal at the end that they're the one pulling it all. Um, I was taken in at the very end by the priest stuff. So, so we should say like, it is the, the ending of the film uh, ends with uh, Lorraine and especially the narrative part where she's doing the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically says, Percival is satchel. Um, I don't have the list. 
and MI6 decides we're just going to bury this. We're going to mm-hmm. shut it all down. This never happened. This conversation never happened. Well, they they don't believe her, and then she provides evidence. She she essentially has evidence that 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 frames Percival as Hatchel. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and you know that's when John Goodman leaves, and he's like, "Well, I'm done here." And they go out. We then get a cut to three days later, and mm-hmm. it's she's in Paris, and we see. Um, Shirley's in another amazing outfit now with different hairstyle mm-hmm. and she's going in this swanky room and she gets in there and she meets one of the Russians that has been um, like one of the higher ranking ones because he has been like in charge of a lot of the mm-hmm. um, the uh, the goons, the, the Russian goons that are yeah. running around. I believe and he so, was uh, he was one of the people in charge of trying to assassinate um, Spyglass. Yes. And I thought at that moment, oh, fuck, she is Russian. Like, she was playing one side. Mm -hmm. To then have her turn around and assassinate the entire rest of the Russian infrastructure there. And then pulls away and meets uh, on a private plane with John Goodman. And she drops Mm -hmm. both the British accent and the Russian. And she speaks it in her American accent for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we learned that she'd been working with the CIA all along. Yeah. So essentially she is, it's implied that she's an American. She's been a triple agent essentially. Yes. Yeah. I part of the twist. I was like, oh, okay. There you go. That's the swerve. Like the, the, the fact that she was Russian, like it, it was a surprise, but it, but it's one of those surprises. that's like, oh yeah, no, if you think about it, it does make sense that she would be Russian. Um, yeah, but yeah. then, but yeah, no, the, I I was not expecting the second twist. No, and that was really fascinating to me. It was it was one of those things where like, so were the CIA's the quote good guys? I don't know what that part means, but it just was funny. Where I'm like, ah, the fucking CIA was behind all this. Like, ah, goddamn course. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, then, and then John and then John Goodman is like, why did you? She's like, you did you have to call me a cocksucker? Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I just want to briefly get back to the Berlinness of it all. Yep. I loved the locations and the settings. Um, I think I started to say third, but, but I did, this is the third film that we've watched that had Berlin locations The uh, within the, the, the Uber of this podcast. The first one being for the Not a Hate Watch of the Apple, but then also with Aeon Flux uh, being filmed in Berlin. Uh, but mm. it's a very different looking Berlin between those two films, which I found fascinating given that they're both on there. And that made me want to visit Berlin. So I'm like, what, what is this city where both of these worlds, this very bright white stone mm-hmm. clean world, and then this gritty cold, you know, other world is where it has all these like nightclubs that are mm-hmm. just high off their ass on cocaine the entire time. Yeah. Like wild. I mean, that is the thing. This is, this is a contrast for me because I do want, like, I want to go to that kind of Berlin. I want to go where, like, the queer scene is. I want to go to the nightclubs that open, don't open until mm-hmm. 2 a.m. and you have to you have to pass some kind of, like, gay check to get in, in the door and stuff. I want to do that stuff, but then also part of me is like, I don't like doing that stuff here. Why am I going to like doing it there? <laughs> I mean, same. Honestly, same. Um, but, you know, maybe in, like, a different place, I, I might just feel a little more, like, relaxed because it's like yeah. no one knows me here. I have, I have any mm-hmm. chance of like yeah. having a reputation or anything. It. I mean, it um, does. It just looks cool. It, it just looks cool. Both like seeing seeing that stuff and seeing that stuff in more like like nonfiction documentary style like um, videos and, and 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 TV shows and things. And then and then this heavily stylized version in. Oh yeah. Um, in this movie. We should talk about just sort of the uh, we we briefly touched on it. What was your overall take on the? 
aesthetic, that being of some scenes, very bright colors, mm-hmm. intense coloring versus sort of the outdoor in the world of Berlin where it's like cold and gray. And uh, I I didn't realize that, I, I didn't register to me that there was probably a filtering going on it until Alex said something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I think they are definitely filtering this in terms mm-hmm. of like all those outdoor shots and stuff. Yeah. But what did I you mean, think of uh, those choices with with all of it? I, I, I liked it. I think it gave... It gave a lot of um, it gave it a nice balance. I think if it had just been all dark tunnels, I would have felt like it's too like matrixy. Um, and I think if it had been all daylight, it wouldn't. It like you like you don't get the you don't get the ab- the Berlin atmosphere the same way. Like like I like how when they do the daylight stuff, it, it's like this this all of these things this like secret world is happening at night. And people don't are not aware of it at all. Um, yeah. But then we did get the we did get the very good um, car chase sequence, which was an extension of of the the spyglass wall sequence, um, where 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 um, she's getting she's getting tracked by other cars, and and she's you know she's backing up, she's going forward, she's she she insists that he fasten his seatbelt, and mm-hmm. then they get they get plowed into the water, and maybe the seatbelt was part of why he died. Well, his yeah, his foot got caught within the panel, so I think unfortunately. Right. He was done so either anyways, but yeah, um, God, that car crash was being, get, be, I, wow, this is how much my brain is like, don't talk about it. I have a fear of being caught in a car underwater, like mm. it just is one of those things. And so that part for me, I was just like, ah, fuck. And then when they hover over his face and you can see sort of the life go out of him and his face like stops moving i'm like oh no 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 this is maybe even worse than seeing that guy get stabbed with a corkscrew i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah i really liked the contrast i thought it worked i thought the use of the colors and especially the neon lights there's so much neon lighting you know in the movie Mm -hmm. called atomic blonde uh, it definitely felt very the the brightness of it the atomicness of it definitely uh like stuck out in there and yeah i i really was pleasant to watch and look at which is oh yeah what I, yeah what i enjoyed yeah no and, and i think that's that was the thing like even even if i was a little fatigued by the style of movie in terms of like the combat pieces it is very like the story is very taut it's very well written i think it yes. like the, the the acting is good the, the the production design is incredible my quibbles with the costumes aside, the costumes are all very stylized and like mm-hmm. they're making choices in a way that I really appreciated. I also was just having the thought like when, when I was like, about like an hour in, I was thinking like, yeah, they could make these kinds of movies all the time. Like, like, like the spy genre, you don't even need to set up that much. Like you just give people different names and you say they work for people. Yeah. It is not like this doesn't have to be James Bond or it doesn't have to be a franchise. It could just be this thing. They should just Mm -hmm. like, I wish they made more movies like this, but yeah, that's honestly kind of how I was feeling. Like I, I I was like, gosh, it it would be more fun if we had like, I'm trying to think of the, the way to phrase it. Period pieces that weren't all just like, well, here we are telling history and I have to have some reverence for the time and I have to like do like yeah. being able to to have action and to have like really stylized cinematography 
and stuff that wasn't trying to be like, well, this is serious and this was the Cold War and this is mm-hmm. very, you know, drab. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't ever feel like I was watching a Wikipedia article, even though sure. some of the facts they dropped in, it did feel a little bit like, OK, yeah, I know you're dropping that. So you're telling us, you know, <laughs> the, the history of this. Yeah, I will say I, I also think for historical fiction, I'm happy that this was kind of a self-contained story. It's not that this was the this was the thing that caused the Berlin Wall to get torn down or something I like was that. Very worried that's where we were going. Right, because like, like I think fine. I think okay, like if you but... want to contrast this movie with Inglorious Bastards, which is also historical fiction, is playing in that space, but then mm-hmm. like goes drastically into the real life events of world war two in a way that I think this, this uses it uses it as a setting, but yes. is not, is not inserting itself into that history per se. Yeah. It's not trying to get into the politics of like, well, who was right or like, mm-hmm. you know, what was the, the implication of this down the road and trying to tease that sort of story where a lot of times, you know, stuff that's historical fiction or historical biopics, feel sometimes the need to be like cheeky to be like we know you know in the audience these things happen in the future there was none of that it really was just gosh i like this setting and i like this location i love this music uh you know thinking the mind of the person creating it and just putting that all together and using that story in there i mentioned did you have a did you have a favorite song that they used was it was it blue monday so i mean okay to my favorite use of music within the movie i think was that's hard i think the 99 loof balloons when the guy is interrogating the youth no, was I really really funny to me i don't think it was the best yeah. uses of it it made it me was, laugh it, i'm running through just some it, of the ones in my head thinking of them all I mean, I think mine was mine was the fight to voices carry between um, LaSalle I, and Percival. That's what I was going to say. Is I think voices carry is probably the one that because mm-hmm. it happens twice. We hear it, um, yeah. and it kind of it kind of becomes LaSalle's little theme. That's the one that impacted me the most. I love Blue Monday. It is one of my favorite songs. So that mm-hmm. opening the film was a huge for me. But it did it. It wasn't like it didn't feel nearly as much like within the. Um, the thing of the uh, the say I uh, laughed when father figure came on. And that was during the scene where she first um, starts beating up a bunch of the uh, uh, East German uh, police and some of the Russian goons, uh, simply because that is one of my friend's favorite songs. And I sent it to her. It's like, I'm watching Charlie Theron beat the shit out of East German officers, the father figure. And she was like, yes. Um, so that one worked well. I loved the commissar. Um, I ran so far away. That was a funny needle drop when they're when they're literally trying to get away from the uh, uh, from the that was during the car chase. Uh, of course, I ran so far was the uh, theme mm-hmm. for uh, Twagist, uh new twoon this year. Uh, yes. So yeah, a lot of my personal fa- uh, Major Tom, the German version. I know uh, I'm more familiar with the Peter Schilling uh, Major Tom coming home uh, mm-hmm. English version of it. Uh, but that song is great. Yeah. So a lot of just songs that I liked were in here. I did not mind all the needle drops, although I was at, consciously aware of how on the nose some mm. of them were. Yeah. Um, I think I think my main, my main issue is I don't like the, we're going to take a pop song and slow it down and do it like a slowed and reverb version of it for a dramatic scene. That, that trope just really annoys me. I really think that Gears of War fucked us for like the next 20 years, unfortunately. Yeah, I um I thought it was 
one of the weakest parts was when they had the Blue Monday cover a little bit later, like, and not mm-hmm. too much far after they had the Blue Monday, like maybe within 30 minutes. And yeah. that felt off. And I looked and it's a modern day band that's covering it. So also within the, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the film itself Wait. was odd to have a cover was it what was it the the orgy version that was that came out in like the 2000s or is it is it a newer version than that even um this is this was a version by health i had to look up the artist mm. um oh yeah industrial... they're 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 very new i believe yeah um newer uh, i uh, found 2005 was their first album so it's like oh definitely after this took place that yeah. worked the least for me um sure in terms of of neo drop because you're right it was felt slow down and i was just like you know, how does it feel? I'm like, okay, yeah. we feel it from we. Uh, yes, yeah, I get it. You're telling me how does it feel? Um, it worked better when it was just in the opening and it was diegetic. I did appreciate how much of the music was portrayed as diegetic. Like mm-hmm. they'll they'll get out of the car, or we we'll see a shot from outside the car, and we can hear it on the radio. Mm-hmm. Then there's moments where it's it's not, and it's part of the soundtrack, and it's being played full volume for us to hear. That moving in and out worked mm-hmm. for me because it was they they talk so much about how this is Berlin. This is the era of great music, nightclubs, and to yep. have that play in with it, even though it is a little bit of like, look what I have on my iPod, I, I didn't mind because it still felt like it was within the world of this story. Yes, 100% I was, agree. I was nerding out so much, I even noticed in the background in Percival's apartment, they had the music video for one of my recent rediscoveries of synth music, which is Information Society's um, pure... Pure energy is like what they do it from. Uh, it's what um, uh, what you mean? There's something on my mind um, uh, because uh, I've just been obsessed with it lately, and we just covered the Star Trek episode where the Spock quote that is replayed over and over that pure energy comes from. So it just popped in my head again, and so seeing that in the background, I was like, "Hey!" pointing at the screen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it it's just that's fun. God, I fucking love. 80s music but i am not one of those people that's like oh i'd love to go live in the 80s because it's like no i like all the 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 conveniences that i have now thanks (laughs) yeah um i'm curious what did you think of charlene's as like an action star like we've already watched aeon flux but this is a much more intense and a different i think type of acting and, and 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 like fight choreography and such she was incredible i really enjoyed um, watching it and and while knowing also and being sometimes a, like a little aware of where the stunt people would have been doing the stuff, she still got in there a lot and was mm-hmm. doing quite a lot of the 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 principal like um, mm-hmm. shooting that you see cuts away during some of the dangerous stuff. Um, God, when people were getting thrown down the fucking stairs, that was what was making me the most. I'm like, how is a stunt performer doing this? They're just hurting themselves. Like, they just have to be throwing themselves down the stairs and hurting themselves, but like in a way where they can take it. But I was just like, fuck. It just part, was part of it is brutal. What- the, that scene, part of me, I was wondering, is that like they fell on a mat and then they composited the mat out or something like that? It could be. I don't know yeah. how they, I literally don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. But but in terms of just seeing those characters being thrown down the stairs constantly, like over and over, and then like trying to stagger back up. I thought, there was a great moment during the fight part where I love, we're seeing these, like, they're not superheroes. They are getting hurt. And there's a moment where Charlize and one of the um, like higher mid, um, uh, Russian um, agents 
and her are both just like staggering and they're like yes. trying to stand up straight to be the one person to go and and neither one are so you see two people sort of like just like moving their body and waving a bit trying to like get up and then the fight happens you know then it continues yeah. like oh god it's great but yeah no this isn't a film where it's just like oh i'm sick of the action scenes because you know how long can this mm -hmm. be going on and this person sure. you know has like a you know one scratch on their head like no as you mentioned earlier they make sure at least look like shit Her yes and, again, and, and, like and, and they keep and they keep piling it on too as the course over the over the course of the movie oh yeah by the time that she's shooting percival she she looks like she has gone through hell and back again mm -hmm. um yeah. which then is contrasted by you know the the scenes within the um the interrogation where she um has all been patched like mostly patched up she looks but tired she's, a, she's still kind of she still kind of looks like shit it's not yeah, she still it's not 100 oh yeah. yeah to that at yeah. the very end of the film after or the three days later where she's in that paris scene and looks amazing it's like oh god yeah like uh, it just was yeah incredible of a contrast um, I, I will say my favorite of the fight bits, I think, was when Percival got stabbed in the back with a knife and then had to like reach backwards to pull it out of his own back. Oh my fucking god! And he and the the pain because it's in a spot where he can't reach it naturally. Yes. So he's dealing with it in his back, and he's like, "We're used to seeing men like oh rough and take and go out." He is whining like a little bitch. He's like, "Oh yeah." And he's just like is trying to get his shoulder on a chair to reach back around, and the pain is too mm -hmm. much. He can't get it, and it's like, "God damn." I'm glad. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're like, uh, I'm kind of glad that this character is being subdued, but you're also like, oof, owie, ooch, don't, not that way, don't, don't be hurt that way. Um, yeah, I'm curious. So we have two movies left in this series. We're gonna watch Tully, and then we're gonna watch Bombshell. I'm yeah. curious if this me if this means you're now would be interested in watching not pro probably not for this podcast but interesting in watching the old guard which was the action movie that she made for net that she made for Netflix. Yeah, I was reading up on it. Um, it sounds intriguing. I would be curious to watch it. I, I just don't. I Netflix is a void for me because I don't have an account mm -hmm. myself. Our roommate has one. So I'm yeah. just not in there peeking mm -hmm. around at what's available or seeing what's on it. Um, but I would certainly, after watching these, mm -hmm. it, it, none of what I saw at all deterred me from checking it out. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I would watch more. In fact, this, I mean, I just want to keep trying to find some Charlize that maybe some stuff that was on our list that, you know, didn't make it for the, for the cut mm -hmm. for the podcast, just a few more things to watch for fun. Yeah. Um, um, sweet November. Um, <laughs> Mm, uh, I think friend, what, what, uh, what else was on there that we like because like what else was on there that we didn't that we cut I'm trying to think like because I'm trying to think in terms of like action movies she's been she, she's been doing like she did Atomic Blonde she did The Old Guard I want to say there's one other action movie that she did for Netflix and then the, the Fast and Furious stuff yeah I'm looking this up real quick here yeah you're right there's really not Old Guard is it I don't see well she's making Old Guard 2 um, well, they they, was... they say they're making Old Guard too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my friend you know. did give me um, Two Days in the Valley, um, the mm. one that I watched uh, Max uh, Mad Max Fury Road with. Oh, I mean, I've seen it, but she's in Reindeer Games, which is more thriller than like a super action one. But there yeah. is. Um... I don't think I don't. My my guess is that she doesn't do action in that though. I think that's where that's more for her as like a girlfriend side piece. Yeah. 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 Yeah um 
Like she was in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Oh no, I'm looking she, at the wrong page. She is no, no she, she is she in it, but she's playing Clea, um, who I think is the Enchantress. She is she was in a post credit scene. She literally pops up at the end and she's like, "Hey, Doctor Strange, wow. you're coming with me." Okay, okay. But I have um, no idea what the future of that is, given with yeah. Marvel's, you know, all up in the <laughs> airness. No, you're right. I don't know. Is Gringo an action film or is that more of a, like, it's just crime comedy. So I don't know how much action is within it. But yeah, you're right. I guess yeah. there really aren't as many. You know what? Here it is. People cast her in more action stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's similar to, I think, um, Emily Blunt after um, after Looper and um, um, Edge of Tomorrow slash Live yeah. and Repeat slash All You Need Is Kill. Um all, they realize quiet that, place. Yes. Well, quiet yes. place is more horror, but still like leading presence in, the, in those mm-hmm. type genre films. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, assuming she wants to do it, maybe she doesn't want to do it. This this that looks pretty fucking hard on her body. Um I, and I know she's Truth. talked about getting older, but um yeah. I mean that's why we're doing this series. That we're doing this series because we wanted to understand Charlize better. I definitely feel like I'm getting the full the full scope of her work. Oh, absolutely. And especially with these last two films, I think getting out, we're going to get another taste of that, that young adult um, collab with uh, mm-hmm. Diablo Cobley and, and Jason Reitman. Jason so Reitman. Seeing, seeing yep. that. Um, and then I'm especially curious on your take of Bombshell because it's one of another time where she's playing a, uh, a really few times that she's played an, an actual real life person. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one being Monster. Um, yeah. And so it's it's another side that she hasn't done in many films. It's not as if she's known as, you know, yeah. a person who disappears into historical yeah. biopics, even though this is a contemporary story going on right. with, um, I, 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 with Bombshell. I, I, we'll talk about this more next week because as we as we keep, go into Bombshell, but I don't I forget if I've told you, I tried to watch Bombshell and about like five minutes in where the where the VO, whoever was doing the VO was glorifying, I think it was Margot Robbie was doing VO glorifying Roger Ailes. I was like, I can't watch this. Fuck this. Well, and that that character is the is Megan the, Kelly, right? No, Megan. Well, Megan Kelly is who um, Charlize Theron plays. Oh, the that's right. That's right. Robbie character is a composite that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say too much. Let we'll just say she, her her opinion changes. Right. Right. Yeah. No. 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 I. 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 I know that. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, look, that all happened in real life. Also, I I was alive and I and and I remember what happened. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, but 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 yeah. So I'm I'm curious if if like you know I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna try to keep an open mind. Um, I am really interested in seeing the the Charlie's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, what now? And yeah. totally, you have seen, correct? I have not seen. Oh, you've not seen? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is another one we're both going in uh-huh. blind. Interesting, yeah. Because yeah. Bombshell is the last one that, obviously, and I've seen that. The only mm-hmm. other one I'd seen previously being Snow White and the Huntsman. So I think um, we only right, had... Because we're not doing Longshot on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, so we've both seen Longshot, and that's the reason mm-hmm. that we're not. But in terms of the, the oeuvre mm-hmm. of, of Charlize, I've said oeuvre twice now, and you that word. In her filmography. Um, I mean, that's what the podcast is. I think you're allowed to say oeuvre. That making a true. podcast about the oeuvre of Charlize Theron. It is. I know. It just seems pretentious to say... Um, or, or not saying it ironically, um, but just in terms of of her performances, I think Longshot is fantastic, and I would recommend people listening to the pod mm-hmm. check that out if you haven't. Um, it also has a powerhouse performance from Jude Diane Raphael. 
um, mm-hmm. from the How It's Made podcast. From, and... from, from, from the morning show season three. Oh my, she is? Who is she? Yeah, in? I, I said I sent I sent you clips. It was she she is playing no, the you like did. Oh, you're right. She's playing the like the equivalent Fox News talking head who's yes. like reacting, who's like reacting to and making fun of all of the dumb shit that's happening in the show. My god. Like every well, every every episode they'll like have her pop up and talk about it like, "Can you believe those clowns at UBA are doing this now?" <laughs> well, I believe um there's a thread that connects the universes of the morning show and for all mankind, which is both of them feature the fictional Eagle News Network, yep. which yep. that's the yeah that's the one that that mm. June Dining Rachel's character works for, correct? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. The Fox News equivalent, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're clearly not meant to be in the same universe at all, but if it it did make me think of how the well, morning show would cover some of the events from For All Mankind. I would I would say for now we don't know that. <laughs> Oh my God! It, uh, she, they go into space and it's done. And they all of a sudden we see a Helios logo, and everyone's like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, we're yeah. in the for all universe, for all for all multiverses. Everyone wants everyone wants a fucking cinematic universe. Yeah, but you make, know, what? make things and then leave them alone. Make things and then move on. They, like there was there was the, the, on the Wikipedia page. They said there. I remember they were talking about making a sequel to this movie. I hope they don't. I like this movie. Leave it alone. Do you know what? I was I was thinking to myself, I was just about to say, part of me wants a sequel to this movie, but what I sure. want is another movie like this style, mm-hmm. and but with a different story. Like, right. I would love this level of care and maybe a little bit less hand-to-hand combat for you, um, but this level of, like, stylization mixed with historical, you know, events and slash fiction. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, God, God. The more I keep thinking about this, what a, I fucking love this movie. This was so much fun. It's just I don't know. I just needed that. I really needed it, uh, to do that. And also, it was it was it was weird being in another film where Germany's involved, having just watched uh, um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, where Berlin is not a place we visit, but it's a place where characters want to get to. <laughs> so mm. Berlin has just been on the brain. Yes. Um. I think I think that'll do it for this episode of She's an Actress Whoa! covering the oeuvre of of Charlize Theron. Um, you know, as we always say to end the show, Missy, the Studio Sixty influence continues. When when Under Pressure started playing at the end of the movie, I was I was saying the like I was saying the Matt and Danny dialogue out loud. You know, you got to give her style points. The, the real question is the real question is. Is is she for real? That's the needle drop I hated the most. Actually, you made me you made me remember that. That was the only one. That was drop. the only one I liked. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. Oh yeah. Oh, she's under pressure. I get it. No, no, no. I get Studio, it. Studio sixty wins again. <laughs> uh, uh.